Hello. Hiya. What is good? And welcome back to Cliffhangers. We are Barney and Lukey from Truffle Pig Wigs, your favourite vivacious girls, gals who just live, love, laugh everything about drag. We're coming at you from London's dazzling East End with the unofficial, unrequested and unhinged Drag Race podcast. So we'll be screaming and yelling over as many seasons of Drag Race before we pass out. So grab yourself a Capri Sun and get yourself comfy. Just a little cliffhangers disclaimer. We are super fans of drag in all its forms and our number one rule here is that the only people getting laughed at should be us. Cliffhangers is here to uplift queer art and nothing we say is changing or discrediting that. Try as we might. Okay, she is a drag artiste. She's a host. She's a DJ. She's a presenter. She's a South London girl. Give it up for Lagoon. How you doing? Woo! Hello. So good. Can I just say as well, as someone who's been um, broadcasting and in broadcasting for nearly four years, this is my first time as a guest on any sort of podcast sort of situation. I'm usually asking all the questions, so I'm so excited to be sitting don't judge us too much (laughs) the hot hot i mean i don't know oh yeah like no pressure or anything but like i don't know i've seen i've seen the way you girls work and um i'm so here for it so i'm just thrilled to be here honestly yay honestly that's i feel like this might be a fantastic dynamic then because i feel like the best sort of guests are going to be someone that knows about presenting because we sure as hell (laughs) we don't know anything Mm. all right yeah So to the people that might not know who you are, can you tell us what is the essence of Lagoon? Maybe in three words, if you can. Sure thing. So, gosh, I don't know. I, uh, in, for, for what I'm trying to do, I suppose, in drag, I'd say the essence of Lagoon is something which is, you know, kind of otherworldly, very glam, but also really stupid and kind of irreverent and really not, trying to take myself too seriously whatsoever. I think there's nothing kind of fabber than when someone looks a million dollars and looks incredible and then like doesn't mind like falling flat on their face. I think that's kind of perfect. Like you see so many, you see so many girls who are kind of like practically perfect in every single way and like never miss a beat. Like nothing is ever wrong. They're like perfect down to the last detail and that's so aspirational and so amazing. Yeah, just like you two. I mean, I don't know. Thank you. Firing. Um... But that's never been something I've been able to achieve in drag or out of drag. And I feel like once you kind of let that go, you're then freer to do everything else. You know, it doesn't matter if you kind of like miss a word or you fall over or like, you know, I don't know, your lace isn't glued down in the corner or whatever it might be. So, yeah, so that's kind of the vibe. It's like glam and stupid. In that is the best drag. combo. They are literally our two pillars of drag. <laughs> like they're, they're all I give a fuck about. Like... Some level of glamour, but also our definition of glamour is very, it's, it's, a, right. it's a very dark corner of the internet. Um, and then like as stupid and gross as possible. I think Willem yeah, said there's mind. nothing interesting about watching a beautiful person do well. So it's exactly. like, yeah, you be pretty, but yeah. that's boring. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah. it's not very relatable. I'm just uh, not like, I don't really see myself, I don't really see my life journey in someone who's just kind of like gorgeous, like succeeding all the time. Like that just doesn't, that just doesn't <laughs> in the level at all. And the majority of my like drag icons as well are people that have never once tried to make themselves look like a, the idea of like a passable femme in any way. Like, right. Yeah. That was never my, those were never kind of the girls I went to first for yeah. inspo. They were never the ones who I was like, I mean, obviously like respect it so much. Like when you see someone like Plastic Tiara, you just think, oh my God, like 
she looks like a breath from like God's vagina. Do you know oh, what I mean? That is a woman. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like, it's, it's unbelievable. But like, I see it and I'm like, that's just never going to be me. And that's totally fine. Like, whatever, I can do something else. And also, can we hit you with your many aliases as well? Because we have uh, we have Lagoon, but we also have Zoe as well. What's the what's the mix up with? Uh... Well, my name is Zoe Gleaves, so that's just my name. Like, I think people think that like your government name. Well, no, my oh God. Well, honey, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> you can have so as many government- as you want. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just like, I know, I haven't paid my tax in like 16 years. Just kidding. Um, uh, Paris, no, my- really successful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it's very that. Um, no, my name, so my government name is Zachary, but I've never, ever used it. And my parents always wanted to call me Zui and always have called me Zui and basically gave me Zachary just in case I was like ever embarrassed of the name Zui and kind of wanted something that was a bit more like conventional and a bit more kind of conservative. Um, but that was obviously... Zachary is my middle name, so... Watch your mouth. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's very, listen, it's a gorgeous name. I think it's lovely. Apparently, it's Dewey as well as the traditional Jewish nickname for Zachary, which I only found out at like a later date. I had no idea. Yeah. But um, Zui's kind of been my, like, Zui is my name and has kind of always been my name, just not my government name. And then, nice. and then Lagoon is my drag name. But before that, I wasn't, I wasn't always called Lagoon Femme Shamer. Actually, my first ever drag name was Cherry Gardens, which is after the Vibes Cartel song Summertime. If oh, you're right. <laughs> We're London gals, don't you forget it. Yeah. Of course. Um, so yeah, so it was Cherry Gardens first after Vibes. And then it was Diamond Garden where I was like, I'm going to get like a little bit more like expensive. Yeah. And I went, do you know what I mean? I was kind of like, I thought, I mean, I was like that mad like delusion of grandeur. And then I went to, I think I went to like a Pride one year and saw a drag queen called Rose Garden. And I was like, I need to get like the, I, I was like, so many girls are called Cherry. Like, it can't be Cherry. I can't have Garden in there. Let's do a rebrand for, for fucking 2017. Let's like gag the girls. And it was Lagoon Femme Shamer. So that's what it is. Cute. It's a good name. It's a good name. We literally all the time try and come up with good drag names and it's essentially impossible at this point everything is covered everything is done so unless you can get especially the pun ones and yeah unless you can get disgusting pun guys i have a list on my phone so do we (laughs) (laughs) it's now become my party trick to the point where like my heterosexual like girlfriends after like a couple beers would be like get the get the drag queen names out it's like name (laughs) name her yeah exactly like they all want a name so no i keep a good a good one um live on air namer shamer namer shamer like an italian queen (laughs) namer shamer yeah Neymar and Shamer. Neymar and Shamer. Okay. Neymar and Shamer. Yeah. The house of M. Shamer, of course. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We've actually started doing it on the podcast, like introducing each other. Um, And it is every single week we like start with like an insult. We'll start like cussing each other out. And then like when we come back after the advert, we'll do like a a drag name. And how many we've done four and it's already getting like exhausting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely exhausting trying to find one. My one today was Thickerless Cage. And that was. (laughs) That was like barely. <laughs> well, barely me, and my friend, me and my friend Albie all the time say I'm at Gagatha Christie. Yeah. Gagatha Christie. I mean, maybe you'll see that next week. That's mine, but consider it stolen. Okay. <laughs> okay, so who would play Lagoon in the film mm. of your life? Okay. Well, I mean, mm, there aren't very many like blue actresses. So it would. Gosh. Porn girls. Play... Yeah. What? What? The porn girls. A bit of blue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
She's doing like double entendres already. Um, who would play Who would play Lagoon from Shamer? I know it's a tricky one, you know. Who could do it? Who's got the range? Mm. Who's got, honestly, who's got the range? Who has... Who, who's got the clearance? Who was the talent? Who was the endurance, quite frankly? <laughs> um... I don't know. Let's go for like Paula Radcliffe. I feel like she'd do a great job. Not Paula. <laughs> Not Paula. For the piss. Yeah. Is that is that part of your stage show? That's the versatility that we're looking for. Yeah. Depends on how much the booking fee is. Be really <laughs> Everything's what... got a price. And I run for every gig that I do. FYI. <laughs> every single lip sync is just done on a treadmill. Yeah, for no, that's actually one thing that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do a like a video performance piece with like me in full drag doing like Shirley Bassey ballad, but <laughs> running like 12 kilometers an hour on a train. <laughs> doing a mini marathon. Falling off my face. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so good. Yeah. Um, okay, then. So if we've got Paula Radcliffe for Lagoon, who would we got yeah. for Zooey slash Zach? Oh my God, for Zooey, I mean. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm like six foot six as a man. I'm like six quite like six. six. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a huge. Oh, expect those DMs to be slid yeah, into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, can we see the back, please? Please. <laughs> this is the front. Thank you. And this is the back. Congratulations. <laughs> Although, so I don't know. It have to be someone quite tall. I did think for a minute that it could be like um, a young army hammer, but I don't. Um, uh... <laughs> the choices have been rogue today. I'm not going. <laughs> but also. The cannibal- in the street, yeah. cannibalism. It's just a young Dennis hand. Nielsen, probably. <laughs> <laughs> cannibalism has its own glamour, though. IMO. It's good um, for the planet. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of hypocritical considering that literally 10 years ago, the entire world was obsessed with vampires. And it's like, oh, what? Like now, like you don't think eating people is kind of cool anymore. It's like you <laughs> oh. love them. Oh, they're not sparkly. It's not cool yeah, anymore. No, not yeah. Yeah. Not here. It's like, yeah, I grow up. No, I'm just uh, I don't know who we, I don't know who I would suggest as. Uh, I know. I don't know. It's like a Peter Crouch. <laughs> I don't even know who that is, but I know that they're sports. <laughs> maybe it should be. Maybe it should be a basketball player. You know what? I'm down. How about then we cast it? Abby Clancy plays Lagoon. Peter yes! Crouch. Love it. Um, there we go. Very into it, the power couple, and she brings the glamour. She brings the expensiveness. Abby Clancy. Oh, House accent is just yeah. too much for me. Me it. and my friend uh, did a burlesque routine at Abby and Peter's joint birthday party. Oh my God, yeah. So I saw them both in real life. Peter is actually almost fit IRL and Abby is just an absolute stunner. She said that we look beautiful and I was like, fuck off. How you, you're beautiful. We're not beautiful. She's <laughs> honestly so stunning. Didn't she also do like UK's Next Top Model? Wasn't she one of the contestants for yeah. UK's Next Top Model? No, no. She yeah. was, wasn't she like one of the judges? Maybe she's one of the judges. She's like, she's, she's like stunningly beautiful. She also did like incredible fashion editorials for like, maybe it was like Pop Magazine or Love Magazine, like back in the day. Like she has actually got some like high fashion credentials. Like I think Bruce Weber might have like photographed what? her back in the day. Yeah, no, I think she's like, I think she's actually like got a couple fab credits on her. She's a fucking babe. I love her. Lagoon, Lagoon Femme Shane. Imagine the voice. That's all and say good to <laughs> so if we've got the Crouches coming up, who would be your drag parents? So who are the two people that birthed the monster? Um, it's Lee Bowery and Samantha Jones from Sex and the City Fantastic. down the middle. <laughs> I mean, 
That's how it's done. And that's it. (laughs) Normally it's like, we've asked this question before and sometimes it can be sort of, you know, yeah. Uh, Like Aquaria and RuPaul. It's like the intersection of Samantha Jones and Lee Bowery. I see it. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. It's like everything from, yeah, it's everything from like being like a glamorous hotel lobby with like a sparkling drink to kind of like being kind of like bright red and like rolling around in like tangerines. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. Literally. (laughs) And the the, the Escada shoulders. I see the big jewellery for you. I see it all. Don't, I'm having loads of costumes made at the moment. I've got this like incredible team of seamstresses who are making me stuff right now. And like Samantha Jones and Lee are like, all over the mood boards it's like everything oh i can't wait to like, see like those two together is quite fab are we gonna see it's a potentially a, a pregnant a pregnant lagoon oh my trap God. door and I'm... someone comes out perhaps perhaps a small young child yeah i mean there's nothing i'd like more than to strap a human being to my body and <laughs> i can remember first seeing that on youtube when i was like 13 and i was like i don't know what the fuck is going on but i'm in I'm sold. Honestly, like, so amazing. Just like, like rocking dep- my shit, just being like, like... Depending on where they did the performance, like the outcome was different. So, you know, like if they were doing like a more PG crowd, you know, she'd like drink some, I don't know, like Nicola Bowery, his kind of wife, and who also like runs the foundation of his now since he passed away. You know, she'd be like, sometimes she'd like drink his piss. Yeah. Or sometimes she'd like, like drink his vomit. But then sometimes it would just be like, you know, if it was for kind of like kids. I mean, I don't know if they ever did it for like toddlers yeah. and tweens. Like, you know, sometimes it would just be like cranberry juice or whatever. So like they altered it. They were like professionals. You gotta keep it fresh. I can remember her saying as well that I saw in an interview with her that she was like, because Lee used to get so sweaty that when she was like up in his body, that she would just be like literally she felt like she was in the womb because she'd be like sliding around so much because he was just like dripping in sweat. I mean opulent glamour. You know what I mean? It's like that's actually the true test of like a fucking professional and like a drag queen because my god like few people would voluntarily tie themselves to lee bowery's like hulking mm. body like that but we will be holding auditions for yours <laughs> we'll put a call out exactly. six foot six come on who wants to be strapped oh put that on grinder you'll have like people around the block <laughs> <laughs> like, such a shame that they can't do like the craziest personal ads anymore because that would be great it's like who wants to be strapped to my naked body oh my god yeah, so like, good exactly. and then birthed <laughs> And then birth. Oh my God. Yeah. Someone with serious mummy issues, which I'm happy to talk <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, who would you say would be your biggest uh, glamour inspirations? Glamour inspirations. Gosh. Well, I don't know. I've always found, um, I've always found New York and like an incredibly glamorous place for me. New York is kind of like the height, like the zenith of glamour. And I always think about, you know, coming out of like the AIDS crisis of the 80s and going into the 90s, thinking about someone like Suzanne Barch, who was always so kind of, she did like such incredible kind of like humanitarian work, but it's always done through a lens of total glamour. So, you know, it can be Mm. activism or it can be community work, but it's always done in a way which feels incredibly elevated and incredibly sexy and incredibly glamorous. And The Love Ball, which she did, I think, in 1989 and 1990, which were two huge HIV fundraisers, you know, were thrown in this incredible venue in New York City. And it was everyone from like Cindy Crawford to Fran Leibowitz attending these, and like, you know, they got all Vogue balls in New York to Mm. compete for all the fashion designers and all the houses. For me, there's nothing kind of more glamorous than that. And she still throws incredible parties. She does a party every Tuesday. Still working and still getting dressed up. 
Oh my God, and still looking incredible. Absolutely amazing. Mm. And so, yeah, I'd say she's, you know, always super, super glam in my mind. And the she's body kind of on her as well, still. I don't, I wouldn't even hasten to guess a lady's age, but. <laughs> no, me neither. And, you know, crossing my fingers, hopefully I'll be booked by her one day. Oh, soon. lovely. A little on top. I believe she listens to the pod. So, yeah. Uh... A little boom boom room. Oh, Suzanne, if you're listening. You <laughs> and she always that. also as well, because she's so well co- uh, connected, she always just has like mental sneak guests. No. Like, I mean, her with Madonna the other day. No, it's insane. Crazy. Well, she, I don't know, but it's also just like to get to that point and to be working in nightlife for like 40 years and to still mm. be as respected as you were when you started. That's like, I mean, especially in nightlife where let's be honest, like half people working in nightlife are like, headless like drug addict like chicken-headed mm. ones you know what i mean like let's be honest like nightlife is not a right exactly I'm looking like, two of them right look now. at the material <laughs> and it's like you know it's hard to it's hard to kind of sustain anything let alone like your looks and like your glam and your mm. mystique and the fact that like you know people like amanda lapore or you know joey arias or suzanne have been in clubs for 40 years are still doing it it's like that's fucking cool and they look fucking fab to this day. So yeah, Joey probably. only gets better with age as well. Like, I mean, so does Amanda. Like, literally, when the last time we saw her, like, the more the more pumped and gorgeous she gets, like, the more the glamour aesthetic is just heightened. She's like shinier and tighter and oh, sensational. I mean, I know it's like it's kind of, it's a feat to behold and a feat to see. I just yeah. I mean, I've got still like so much regard for all of them. I think they're incredible. Mm. I love for you how glamour is not just the look. It's like, oh, like yeah, like what are lifestyle. you doing? Who are you? It's like a whole embodiment of everything. Well, yeah, I don't know. I suppose there's some there's a part of the glamour which is kind of about like how you carry yourself. Mm. You know, it's like or you can look a million dollars, but like that doesn't necessarily mean you're glamorous. There's something about kind of your persona, something about how you kind of interact with the world that makes you incredibly glamorous. And that can be on like a micro level or a macro level, but it's like, you know, your interactions with the world around you and your contribution can, 100%. you know, just as glamorous as how you look. When you look at something like Studio 54 as well, like the most glamorous people in Studio 54, like, you know, when you would see these photos, and it's like, obviously Bianca Jagger is like a timeless beauty. Right. And then, but then people are always sharing photos of like, Warhol and like Michael Jackson and uh, like Elizabeth Taylor and stuff in there. It's like to me, they are absolutely not the most glamorous people in. Well, that's just like, because it's slebs in the club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, like you said, it's like people like like Halston. It's people like Divine. It's people that had like a indelible like mark on what that culture was then that are the most glamorous to me. Like, and the people that were probably the most fucked up as well. When you see Grace Jones and she is like laying down on the floor, just like drenched in sweat, it's like that's the most glamorous. Not. Not like the the sort of like celeb sure. aspect of it. And also I feel like people kind of conflate like sparkle and like a degree sure. of maximalism with glamour as well, where actually some of the most glamorous people are the most like chicly, most minimally dressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think of someone like Alston, or you think of someone, or even someone like um, Tina Chow, who died oh, in the sure. other sure. but you know, was like captured by um, Warhol and was kind of like a club person in the 70s and 80s. And she was like the most glamorous woman ever, but mm. was always so minimally put together. And, you know, so it doesn't have to look one way. I love that picture of San Laurent. It's like from like a boat party or something. And it's like a picture of San Laurent and Tina Chow. And she's just like, she looks like a statue. Like just like the most gorgeous. Oh, just she's yeah, so incredible. Um, So how do you think this generation, I was going to say our generation, but unfortunately, I might, you might be 
two to three years younger than me. Um, how do you think this generation has evolved, like the profession of what a drag artist does? And like, how do you think your role as a drag artist, um, how do you think that's changed? And how you have to help change that for yourself? Well, I don't know. I feel like... I was having this conversation the other day with an incredible um, kind of costume maker, designer, visual artist called Max Allen, who I think you might be aware because he's made yeah. some stuff for Ginny Lemon and he makes those of fab stuff for Sharon Legrand, et cetera. And he's an incredible talent. And most recently on Bailey J Mills. Did you see that oh. little fashion moment for herself? <laughs> Fantastic. It's Bailey, I mean, you want to you want to talk expanding the remit of what the girls can do. Miss we interview in her on Thursday. I was supposed to be doing a gig with her. I was supposed to be doing a gig with her with the Fabu crew on like literally like the day oh, after. Yes. Because she was supposed to be coming to do our club night. I'm like, I'm gagging to meet the bitch. I can't fucking mm. wait. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of what a drag queen can do. Well, I think, you know, you know what? I think that actually drag has always, uh, drag has always flirted with, kind of mainstream culture. You know, we've seen it with people like Danny LaRue in the 60s mm. and 70s, Lily Savage and Julian Clare in the 80s and 90s. Like, people are always interested in drag. People are really drawn to it. Now, whereas before it kind of came and went, I feel like now drag feels very kind of permanent in terms of entertainment and in terms of yeah. sort of popular culture. I don't see it going away. What I do see it as is that maybe the interest will decline, but I feel like, you know, it's like Love Island in a way. Or, you know, kind of like, you know, Bag of Chips is on Celebrity Masterchef. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. They've been working just, hard. What is she cooking? <laughs> a crocodile. Um, <laughs> yeah. See that? Garbage. Like, oh, fucking Mississippi mud pies, bitch. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, not cute at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I feel like, I feel like in terms of where drag can go and what drag will kind of like look like i feel like drag now is just as much a kind of like it's almost like a machine for creating entertainers just as much as any other reality kind of show would do you know mm. so it's like i feel like in that regard it has staying power but for me like i don't know i'm kind of interested in doing i'm kind of interested in doing drag in places where it still feels a bit strange or it doesn't necessarily mm. feel appropriate which is why i really enjoy djing in drag because i'm not a lot you know half of my dj gigs aren't in gay kind of bars they're not mm. for queer people you know i'm djing for a lot of straight people and you know a lot of times for straight Ew. men <laughs> well, you know, you would say, ooh, and to me, I, I was shook at first, but then actually what you really, and to be fair, like, I don't play, I mean, if I don't necessarily play like disco and house and, I, you know, I play like grime and like dubstep and like dembow. And, Where's you know, your next kind of, like, gig? We're coming down. Yeah, I need to, hear I you. Need to do I need a little two-step skank ASAP. You know, like I don't, or like, you know, like Gareth, so, like I don't play stuff which you would hear in gay bars. I play a lot of stuff which you would think a conventionally straight audience would enjoy. And so for me, I feel that I half go into that space and I go, I don't give a fuck what any of you cunts think because I'm going to win you over regardless. But then the other half of me is like, actually, you know what? As a fucking like drag queen and as like a queer person, if I'm going into a straight space, I do low key sometimes feel like it's my duty to have all these people have... Well, just to kind of like, so that all these, you know, people have, will have a preconception of my talent, my ability and my Mm. taste level. And then I will do an hour set and I want specifically all the straight men to walk away from my set being like, that fucking drag queen turned me mm. out and fucking They wouldn't away. be saying that. Yeah, imagine if like, <laughs> yes, Panic! bitch. Imagine if they walked up to you like, oh, you don't. 
Boom. Like, but yeah, before, that's like, sick. Before, um, right, do you know what I mean? It's like before lockdown, I played this, Um, there's this, uh, there's this incredible thing. It's kind of like Boiler Room. It's called Keep Hush. And they do these like amazing live stream DJ sets. And I had the pleasure um, kind of chance to do one in February, 2020, just before lockdown. And the mm. entire set, there's a man standing behind me wearing like a balaclava, like a straight man, like wearing a balaclava, like going ham and like living for what I'm doing. And I'm like green with chandelier earrings, like wearing a gold suit. And it's like, drag actually can go anywhere and can be anything and can mm. kind of work in a variety of different settings. It's just all about how, you know, it's just, all, we have to kind of open our minds to the possibilities of it being the case. But, you know, drag doesn't look one way and doesn't cater to mm. one sort of audience. There's a drag queen for everybody and every single thing. And I um, think your your character and your presentation is, appears, I don't want to make any judgments about it, but it appears like quite gender non-conforming. And yeah. it's quite... Like your presentation is quite like bizarre to I imagine to a hetero audience yes. because your drag isn't like incredibly like high femme presenting. And yes. do you do you wear wigs all the time as well, or, or do you go bald? You know what? I'm kind of half and half to be honest. Mm. I think it depends on it. Kind of like depends on the gig and depends on the function. Really, I mean, I am a I am a wig girl more and more and more. Um, Hello, thanks to you guys. In Soon the to be. <laughs> I'm so fucking gas it's gonna be major um but i'm also a big hat girl like i love me oh, a hat yeah. i love me a hat i love me a little headpiece and then also because i do have like very short hair and kind of like as other people said a very nicely shaped head i can get away with um also kind of like doing a bald look so it's like it depends yeah. it's all about what works i think I when it's it's more gender non-conforming i think like hetero people in this might be a wild accusation but i feel like if you are hetero police i'll let you know if you are like if you are femme presenting then it gives them a much easier way to uh, angle their misogyny because they're like okay you are just like a woman like you are a woman to me i'll be rude to you as i would be to a woman and also low-key as like as a queer person but i think if your presentation is more which yours is is like much more artistic and hard to pin down then they don't Mm. really know what they can be rude about because it's just, yeah. it's a creative expression and it's a much harder to sort of. Yeah, sure. No, you're totally right. And, and, you know, it's quite fun. And actually I kind of like, I'm prepping some looks right now for DJ gigs and actually like low key, my plan this summer is to turn up to the club looking cum. Like, okay. yes. Like, turn up really giving like Womana down, like blue woman or like silver woman, yeah. but like, woman we need like to get into that you know that reference you sent of the like stripey just the straight down stripey one good um, like, I'm, I'm planning some performances again because i think i'm going to mm. start kind of, like lip syncing in the clubs as well and kind of like doing that preset or doing that in the middle of a set maybe i'm like thinking of some ways to kind of do it and you know like the new doja cat album just came out and you know my like legs are like very naturally thick and juicy and you know sorry about I, it but you know what i mean and it's like i think that you know if there there will be club trade and um they will be wanting a piece of like a mm. seven foot like blue bitch i just know it so it's like i'm not gonna pass on opportunities you know what i mean like i'm gunning for it <laughs> she is the seven foot tree to climb she is she's ready hello <laughs> yeah. insist. i insist if you're listening hit me up <laughs> from the reaches of my voice <laughs> message her um, can you tell us about how you got involved with Show Studio and what your voice yeah. brings? Yeah, sure thing. So I actually interned at Show Studio um, when I came back to London from uni, and I interned there in like the spring of 2018. I think I was there for three months. And sidebar, I started... sidebar. Where did you go to uni, and what did you study? 
I went to Bristol and I did art history, which was the most pointless degree um, ever. I did start drag in Bristol, which was fab. Um, but like, I mean, art history, you know what I mean? Like I'm a fucking cross-dressing DJ now. It's like, what do you do? Like, mm. what is fucking money? Yeah, surely you have some subconscious uh, inspirational pulls from the history of art across the ages. Exactly. I mean, cross fingers. <laughs> I mean, let's just say if they ever invite me to come and do an alumni event, I will happily decline. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, um, I came back and I was interning there. And basically when I interned, they were just, they because they would at a point where they were doing these kind, they do like these three, these like half year projects. And so when I arrived, they, I, you know, I asked, they were kind of asking me, what do I do? And I remember saying to Georgina Evans, who was the editor at the time, she was like, so what do you do when you're kind of not, you know, what do you do outside of kind of work? And I was like, oh, well, I'm a drag queen, actually. And that's what got me the job. That's what got me the internship, because I told her I was a drag queen. And actually, one bit of advice I'd say right now is if you're ever doing a job interview and your prospective employer asks you, what do you do outside of work? always tell them you're a drag queen, even if you're not, because they want to hire you. Like I've, the number of jobs I've got because I said I'm a drag queen, like it's actually a joke. Like in art galleries, in fucking hospitality, anywhere, say you're a drag queen, you'll get work. And basically they did Crack this like, weird, for like six months. And um, it was amazing. Like, you know, on what, you know, on like one day, Beth Ditto is coming in to be interviewed on like another day, you know, like Munro Bergdorf and Mickey Blanco are like coming in. And basically at the end of that time, I was asked to basically do this like live stream performance event. I would like come up with a performance. So I did like a lip sync to Shirley Bassey and like covered myself in shopping bags and like squeezed tangerines all over myself. Yes. Um, as you do. Um, so I had scurvy at the time. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, more of a threat than you would think. (laughs) Continual scurvy. Turns out, just like a punnet of easy peelers will cure that. Just in case. Um, yeah, and then they're very, they've always been very, very supportive of me and have always asked me back to come and like do panels and to kind of host stuff and to kind of just like be a part of their thing. And they're really fab, and I really like them over there. And this is a really wank angle of it. And, but like, what do you think you as your voice brings? Because it's obviously so heavy with stylists mm. and people that have like a very specific angle about their takedown of the shows. Takedown yeah. is probably not the right word, but sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. And, and takedown also the comments. The people that watch Show Studio, like, get out of the fucking YouTube comment. They have yeah. something to say about every single person that gets on there. People often do, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I low-key live. When I did that diesel <laughs> that diesel panel a couple of weeks ago, and I like I really liked the show. I thought the show was actually really fab. And then this like one just this like bitchy little fashion twink had the goal and the audacity to be like, oh God, I would enjoy watching it, but Zooey ruins it for me every single time. And it's like I literally do a panel a year for show studio. So I don't <laughs> yeah. know what you mean by like every single time. Like, why are you following me around the internet, you free? Um I'm only talking for twenty percent of the time as well. Like Go go watch a fucking cartoon. Jesus. Well, no, no, but it's like these people are like would gag to get on a show studio panel. So I think they see someone there and they're just like, oh my God, like how dare they kind of take my spot. But like in terms of what I bring, you know, like I kind of work in and around fashion and have done for some time, but like I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't say like I'm permanently working in the fashion industry, mm. but I'm like a creative person and uh, someone who enjoys clothes and enjoys fashion who kind of like works in the remit of that. So I think they asked me because I have a kind of a perspective which maybe someone who's like fully in it wouldn't necessarily. And I'm also kind of looking at it from the kind of point of view of like a performer and I'm looking at it from the point of from sure. like a queer perspective. 
perspective, which, you know, a lot of times they don't necessarily have. So I think that's probably why. Mm. And I think people as well, that especially like drag artists, they have like a, a proximity to couture that like yeah. drag costumes are so theatrical and they're so, I mean, maybe couture is a bit, bit grand for some drag mm-hmm. costumes, but like, but like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like in a lot of stylists, they like, unless they're doing like a really high, uh, really moneyed editorial, they wouldn't mm. really for get into that world. So I think that like, actually drag artists are a really good example of people that like go to the absolute extremes of fashion. And oh, the, for sure. so, so someone like you is like so, so great for that. Oh, sure. Well, you know, as well, like, I mean, especially you like, you look at the girls, some of the girls who were just on season two of Drag Race UK. And, you know, there's like no doubt in my mind that like some of the costumes that they're wearing have had hours and hours and hours spent on them, you know, feeding and sewing and, you know, kind of like intricate paneling, like all sorts of things. And it's like, you know, there's something about couture and there's something about that whole thing, which is, you know, that's like an elitist structure. And yeah. the couture shows are made for the richest 500 women in the world. Do you know what I mean? That's what it is. And so the whole point is it's supposed to be totally um, untouchable. So then I love hearing that, you know, there's like a drag queen working in Glasgow or in Somerset who, you know, mm. is like having, commissioning a gown to be made, which, you know, takes hours and hours of time. That is such like a rich kind of beautiful thing mm. um and it's also, also just like fuck couture do you know what i mean like couture is fab but also like i kind of want to see a girl in like a like for a kind of like stretch dress do you know what, what exactly. i mean so, like that's all just... i stretch but like i i was fucking screaming when when bimini came down the runway and they were like oh this is a re a remake of an iris van herpen dress it was like okay so iris van herpen is like what i would regard as like one of the highest most elevated couturiers ever and like their mm. sort of like structural design and stuff it was like that someone is just sitting in their bedroom being like, "Let give me a photo of it, I'll make it. And they did make a decent, like, not a replica, but like in the style of it. It was fucking insane. It was like, they are known as... Weren't there actually two Iris Van Herpen dresses kind of around the same time in Drag Race World? Wasn't there like, Bimini's was really good. Oh no, it was fucking, what's her name? It was that girl from Chicago. Um, oh, what's Denali. she called? Denali. Denali was like, oh, this is my, like, hers was... What look was that? It was, oh, God. It was like, I don't know, it was early in the season, but it was like, she was like, this is like my Iris Van Herpen vision. And it was, it was a little bit suspicious. Um, Bimini, in comparison, was top tier. Yeah. I just, uh, it blew my mind that, like, someone that can work at that level that is just completely unknown. And also the goal of it, to be like, yeah, actually, this is my reference. Oh, this lilac jobby. Look. Oh, the green screen's letting us down there. <laughs> the green screen. But oh, I like can... a... Yeah, but it's kind of like... Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, kind of very wide with like a nude panel here, lilac, and then a kind of billowy sort of puffy skirt. But yeah, not cute. I think if with the Bimini no. one, if you would have told me that it was an Iris Van Herpen dress, I would have believed it. Yeah, sure. And also, you know, it's like, I mean, my God, like... Fashion and clothing shouldn't be for a chosen few and shouldn't be for people with X amount of money. You know, like you should be able to have the things you want irregardless Mm. of who you are, where you come from and like the amount of money that you have. And so I think, you know, when you see Queen's reference fashion, it's like, and you know, and maybe people get like angry about it. They kind of go, oh, she's copying this. It's like, remember that like queer culture and drag culture is so influential on fashion and especially right now you look at everything from like jeremy scott and moschino to the new victor and rolf show to vaquera to you know dolce and gabbana Mm. so like all that stuff it's like that's just as much down to drag as it is to anything else we someone that used to come in our office maybe i went 
name drop them so much, but maybe you'll get by the name by the voice. Um, <laughs> when the Kim Jones show came out, like we were sitting around and it was like us them and and Georgie and like sitting around watching the show and she was literally like when it came down the runway she was like look at that that's me that's I bet I bet I was on the I bet I was on the uh on the oh, yeah I bet I was on the mood board she was like that's me that makeup looks like me that hair looks like me and it's like yes like and then ev- did she go and ring him yeah <laughs> she sent like a voice note to Kim Jones being like I'm on the mood board for this like it's like ev- Every single sort of facet, especially of London queer culture, is so influential and it's so visible as well. Like, yeah, it's so cool. obvious and transparent. Like, so, who is It's crazy. But oh, I know. can we talk about Drag Race? Have you seen the most recent episode? What? I haven't seen it. <gasps> okay. Have you seen any of them of All Stars? Yes, I have been watching. I have been watching All Stars six. I haven't seen the most recent episode. Mm. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's a screamer. We like the 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 energy from when we our first season of the podcast that we did was because it was UK. We knew like some of the girls. The difference in energy between us talking about all stars and like the UK one is. Well, also as well as like we might know or end up meeting people from the UK ones or like the wig makers might. Yeah. So I have something to say. But with this one, we're like, man, fuck these bitches. Your wig looks like shit. Yeah. <laughs> We've got. Um, yeah. We've got a section in the podcast called The Zinger and the Minger, which is like the best wig and the worst wig. And like when we were doing it for UK, it was like we knew basically every person that had done the wig. So we we're just like, um, this it, I wouldn't call it a minger, but it's um it's it's probably just not something that I would go for. Then us on All Stars, we're like, fuck that wig, it was rank, like just like <laughs> going so hard. Have you got a front I mean, runner or a favourite? Do I have a front runner or a favourite? Mm. I mean I mean, gosh. I think Eureka O'Hara is. Um, I think Eureka O'Hara is easily the best prepared. Um, we're still uh, waiting for a big girl to win. Mm. We're still waiting for a big girl to win, and she would be the girl to do it. She's obviously also the most coined, um, which I think has helped. Um, but I think you know she's crazy talented, and, um, and there's no reason why she shouldn't win. I think Akaria Chanel Davenport is um, full now. Absolutely- oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think she's I think she's beautiful and I think she's really talented and I'd love to see her go far. I think Sonique is gorgeous. My problem, I don't know, like I don't know what to say because All Star Six, um can we all maybe kind of postulate on the idea that this many All Star seasons in, is it still All Stars? Or is it just some give stars. the girls or is it some stars? Or okay. is it just like give the girls another go stars? Which is yeah. also fine. There's like, four it, of them that are on their third chance now. Right. And, you know, like, also, it's like, if we're going to bring back Ginger Minge, who was also on All Stars 2, um, like, where's Alyssa Edwards? Thank Get you. Alyssa Edwards back. Get Hello. Pokemon. Katia. Hello. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what? It's like, I feel like it feels slightly over-franchised. And I, for one, I'm someone who is like, let's do kind of like the legend season. Let's have Lady Bunny versus Coco Peru versus, um, you know, fucking like Flotilla DeBarge. Like, let's do that. You know what I mean? Sherry Vine. Like, literally all at will, every single old go out. And even people like Joey Arias and stuff. Like, literally, like, people that are just on, like, even close to have been, like, so influential in the drag scene. Get Amanda on it. Imagine (laughs) Mandy rocking up, giving you on the mic. Giving you a comedy challenge. The stand-up challenge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
that's what I really that's what I would really want to see or you know we people always talk about it on the various podcasts but you know kind of like or a winner's winner's season the... or a first out season I'd like to see <laughs> that Lady Paulton oh. Parker but I think realistically we've spoken about this like I don't think a lot of the winners feel secure out. enough especially as the mm. franchise has like evolved I don't think a lot of them would feel secure enough to go again I wouldn't. No. If you've won already, well, you don't need to prove yourself. And why do you want to like tarnish your crown? Like mm. you've got that title. Just well, keep ask BB. Yeah. Well, you know? <laughs> but like she only won five k or something, though, didn't the, she? <laughs> true. Just like a <laughs> participation trophy. Um, but like, there's there's many girls that have like won that are like very uh, very good at like one skill. Look at like Bianca, who I would say is like a, she says she's an insult comic. Violet, who is like a self proclaimed look queen. That actually, yes. if they were having to go up against people like and look at someone like Shay, or like these later queens that have like really, they have every single skill in their wheelhouse. It's like how would they go up against them? You know how I would frame it is that I would actually, what I'd do is I'd pay the girls all a hundred grand for competing. And then the prize would be a million dollars to a chosen charity. So then the pressure's kind of off. You know what I mean? Like, you know, then you can give it to like mermaids. I mean, if it was in the UK or, you know, you could Mm -hmm. give it to kind of like Trevor Project or XYZ. And so then the girls are competing to like raise money for charity. And it's, and you know, like the crown is kind of like a bonus. You know, if they all get coined irregardless, and it's like, just like fucking go, show up, be like a cat you can't, have loads of fun and leave. Because, mm. you know, it's like, love Raja O'Hara. But like, I don't know, just like, I'm not, I'm not gagging. Oh, we've done a real 180. On her season, yeah. I hated 100%. her so much. And now, <laughs> true, I can say hate now because I've left it behind. Yeah. But yeah, now like, I love her so much. Like, great attitude. Apart from the newest episode, I think she's been turning it every week. I mean, she turned the performance, but when you see the runways a bit. I literally, this this lineup of girls, I really deeply care about Kylie Sanuk Love, deeply. Yeah. And TKB. Um, but apart from that, like, I was literally, they're, they're two girls, I was like, oh, glad to see you back. The rest of the cast, I was like, absolutely nothing for me. It was like the most lukewarm I've ever been. Trinity K. Bonet is, has, should have been on All Stars, like, three seasons ago like Trinity yeah. K. Brene is one of the most incredibly talented that um when she does that uh, uh what's it brainstorming loving is really my game that um video of her competing at the pageant and I actually think Kenny Davenport is one of her backing dancers in that performance Trinity K. Brene is off the chains talented and is an all-star like point blank period but my problem is now is that with the all-stars it's just it feels like it can it feels a little bit smash and grab and it feels like all-stars for the sake of all-stars and you know it's like i understand that there's like an immense amount of money to be made and so i kind of get it like everybody should you know get their coin but at the same time it's like it stops being as special when there's so much of it yeah, you know, think of like All Stars just... 2 when that cast list came out. I was like losing my Madness. fucking mind. The best season of Drag Race ever, IMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best. no. Where do you personally stand on sort of the tricky, tricky pathway of like how we are of like being like super fans of drag, but like the mm. actual platform of RuPaul's Drag Race is like obviously highly problematic. Lady Fracker. And they're not being a fan of like, uh, personally, I'm not like a fan of RuPaul. So mm. like this sort of like, back and forth of like support the gals but don't support the show if that makes sense and we have a podcast about it crazy it's a, it's a, i mean it's a weird one you know 
the fact that there is now <clears throat> an entire industry worldwide which caters to cross-dressers, I think, is fucking incredible. Mm. Um, and I think the fact that, you know, queer people who are weird and fucked up and are confused about their own gender can get paid thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not now millions of pounds a year to do what they do, I think is amazing. And I think that RuPaul's Drag Race point blank is... 99.99% responsible for that being the case. And I think that's amazing. And I think that culturally it's been an incredible contribution. However, as you said, it's a deeply problematic kind of show format and should be more democratic. And um, it isn't. And that is a shame. So it's one of those things, you know, it's like with anything, it's like, you know, one of my favourite artists ever is Azealia Banks. <laughs> Do I agree with every single thing Azealia Banks has said and done? Absolutely not. But will I keep listening to her music and will I keep thinking she's an incredible artist with, in, with immense talent? New yes. song out as well, new song. New song out, fucking yeah. him all night. Aspirational summer jam, which is what she knows how to do. Always. So it's like... Did you, know, you see that? So also, did you see the live where she was like in tears, just talking about? She's like, "I'm really sorry to, I'm really sorry to the queer community. I've been rude sometimes, but you've really been holding me up." And she's like, "Oh, she apologized. Yeah. That's good." I mean, it's going to be a list, but <laughs> like, it was so, it was very emotional. It's like with, it's like with anything, you know. I feel like culturally, we're in a place right now where you have to kind of agree with everything one way or another. Everything has to be very black and white. Everything has to be very on the binary and actually it's like no as human beings the world is a complicated nuanced place and what we should do is take the things that we like and leave the things that we don't and challenge them where we see appropriate that's all we can do you know otherwise it's like you know if i wasn't to kind of listen to every single artist who is deeply problematic i'd have like no one left to listen to in my phone do you know what i mean sure. it's like drag race it's like i wouldn't stop watching drag race because it's a deeply entertaining and like fabulous television show and it's amazing and the talent on there is incredible but you know it's also problematic as fuck but, like so is the x factor and listen we've all been watching those evil rachel clips on youtube <laughs> the best. Like, we do. The best. What do we do? Um, On Drag Race, what challenge do you think that you would just body? I mean, I don't know. Um, In my personal, in my private life and in my personal life, I'm a Roastmaster General. Okay. A general? general. That's pretty high up, I imagine. I don't, don't, I'm a pacifist. Army things. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I know where to throw in an army yeah. <laughs> We've got the bus cuts. We should be getting some terminology in there. I'm feeling very jarhead. Right, it's like very Demi Moore in G.I. Jane. It's very... <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, the gayest. Yeah, like, I like to I like to think that if I was in, if I was like on Drag Race UK and if I was in a room with a bunch of girls and we were like six episodes in when they usually do the roasting challenge, I like to think that I'd be able to rip them to shreds because that's something that I feel um, very confident in doing. Mm. Um, I would also love a makeover challenge um, because I have quite, I have confidence in my makeup skills. I went through a process um, of basically dragging up a variety of friends, like, you know, men, women, my non-binary friends, with a variety of different face shapes and a variety of different challenges were posed and each one of them ends up looking sublime. So Mm. I'd love to do a makeover challenge. I actually have doubles of a lot of outfits on my hanger in case the duty ever presents itself. (laughs) Lovely. Mm. Yeah. So no, I think those two I would... Those two I would love, for sure. And also, for someone with an iconic paint as well, it just gives you a step up. It's like Gottmik. Or Crystal as well. Yeah, like, if you've got, yeah. like, 
sleepover. Signature, oh like... She's my soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got, like, Not- a signature paint that's so clockable, like, then... It just puts you head and shoulders above, like just all people giving sort of a lovely Anastasia Beverly Hills glam. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, I just know what I mean. No, and also just like when Crystal Method did that incredible burn any makeover, I like she didn't even win that challenge, did she? It was someone else who won. Robbed. Yeah, no, it was the glam oh. gals, wasn't it? Jada and her one, I think. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no. So I think those two, I would, those two, I would love yeah. to do. I feel that's a, a very bold thing to say. Like, no one ever says the roasting challenge. Oh, really? Never, never. Like, pe- like, often the makeover challenge, if people are like, I feel confident in my paint, but like, the roasting challenge is... That's, I'd that say was- makeover, I'd say roast, and I, you know, give me an acting, give me an acting challenge. And I'll and like, give you what you like. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have no, I'm like, I have no problem kind of like acting the house down, especially when you've got to be some like crackpot fucking like EastEnders extra. Like, oh, the oh, it was so good. <laughs> can you tell us if you can remember um, a particularly favourite nightlife memory? Oh yeah, London nightlife. Oh my God, London nightlife memory. You know what? I have been very, I've been very lucky and very blessed to be invited to some quite sexy, glamorous parties in my time. And in terms of, I'll give you, I'll give you one which was drag and you one that was out of drag. Yes. I went to, um, oh, in the good old days of pre-coronavirus, I went to a party at the Brasserie of Light at Selfridges for a Pat McGrath makeup launch. Gosh. And I was, and I was ushered so basically, I was kind of like pushed into this thing. Firstly, met Zoe Ashton, who is fucking beautiful. Ooh, yeah. And then was ushered towards Pat McGrath. And then we had like lovely two minutes with Pat, which was just mother. Yeah, literally mother. And she was just like holding court in a booth. And like Mike Q was DJing. It was like... Were you up in it as well? Like the- Oh yeah, fully like painted. It was like me and Charity Case were like the freaks who were invited. I would literally be like, like hiding my blocked, badly blocked brows. I'd be like, um, so Pat, it's a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> a legend, some would say. <laughs> like, so. so I mean, I was like, well, I kind of knew I had to paint like extra fierce that night because obviously mm. it was like going to like mother's party, and then obviously show up in Charity Cases. They were quite black tat teeth, just like green witch with like a thick yep. nose. So I was like, okay, well work um so yeah so no that and i also actually did do a party for 10 magazine where val garland came up to me and was ding like, ding dong. Dong. <laughs> i got ding donged by val ah! <laughs> the highest praise no the highest praise especially because it was very like bright lighting at the party mm-hmm. it was like djing at this fashion party but it was like very bright to the point where it was like homophobic like drag yeah. dim it down a bit and then just before lockdown i went to a party at the um where was it? Is it at the Ritz or somewhere? It's like that big hotel next to Green Park. Burberry did this party yeah. and um, saw Tyler, the creator. Ah, he's my favourite as well. I I don't think I could pull myself together. I'd be like... I mean, honestly. And Mahmood. You know that guy Mahmood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, so that was... I mean, and Tyler, the creator is like... What was he wearing? He, he looked... A million dollars. He had like a gorgeous cap on, like a lovely sort of expensive-looking polo shirt. He's like really tall and actually kind of like really like big. He's kind of like a big yeah. guy, and he looks so healthy. He's just you know when people are so rich that they just look healthy. He's just he's always getting his manis and pedis, and oh, he's always looking after himself. Mm. Yeah, is that a Lafleur t-shirt you're wearing now? No, it's not actually. It's actually Lazy O's, but yeah. it very much could be. Yeah. <laughs> Super cute. So, yeah. 
Have you had a person, um, we obviously need you to hot them up as much as possible. Have you had a person that has followed you or messaged you that has made you lose your mind? And who? (laughs) God, have I had a person who's followed me who's made me lose my mind? Who was I gassed over? Um, Oh my God, that's such a good question. Uh, uh, um, I'm (laughs) trying... I do have, I do have one, I do have one person, but I didn't follow them back. <laughs> Ooh, shame okay. it all. Okay. Who, I mean, so maybe I, oh God, so maybe I shouldn't stay. Um, uh, but only because I'm just, only because I'm like, I mean, really like not to kind of like be like a catty cunt or to think that, you know, to like delusions of grandeur, just because I'm like, I don't know, just like not that interested. But um, in terms of people who've like, who've like followed me, who I've gagged over, Oh my god, that's so interesting. Has there been anybody? Lily Allen. I mean, like, come on, like out of nowhere. Like, he's my number yeah. one most hated celebrity of all time. If you're watching this, Lily. Oh my god. If well, you're watching this, Lily, probably uh, not the platform for you. Stop um, listening to me, Pod. <laughs> Get off. Although, although a Sunday Times bestseller with her book, really well, done a 180 I, on that. But you didn't well, follow her back. I didn't follow her back. Fuck it, bitch. <laughs> She had a real moment because she got Cora Delaney as her stylist. And then all of a sudden she was like, yeah, she was like, giving you bad bitch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say it. She was, she was styled well for a moment. Anyone rich can be a bad bitch. I don't care. So what's our excuse? We are poor. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, Lily Allen was like, Lily Allen was a gag, even though I didn't follow her back just because yeah. it's like, that's just like a woman from my childhood. And then I think the, um, I think like the editor in chief of like another magazine, um, a guy called Alistair Mackey follows yeah. me on Instagram, which is, um, you know, kind of crazy because you just think, Maybe like, you can hot step in. What's his other magazine called? He's got another like really sick, like a side project magazine. Maybe you can hot step mm-hmm. into that. That's like amazing editorial, Alistair Mackey. I remember Charles Jeffrey followed me on Instagram at one point and that was kind of fab as well because as someone who, you know, it's like when someone who you kind of admire who works in the fashion industry like mm-hmm. follows you, you know, it's like, I remember even though it was a couple of years ago when I like, it was when I like first quit drinking because I'm like, I don't drink or like do cocaine anymore. Um, thank God, two and a half years strong. But I remember not like- math, now, Two and a half go. years, two and a half years sober. Well, two and a half, well, two and a half years um, not uh, drinking or doing coke. Very good. Congrats. But um, as my country restaurant would say, I'm very much green. And so. Sure. Oh. 420 lifestyle. 420. A bit of horse never hurt anyone either, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> bit of brown, bit of brown. <laughs> yeah. I'm off the coke and on the pipe. So. Exactly. So I just need to chill out. I just had too much energy. Do you know what I mean? Anything that takes yeah, exactly. me back. Exactly. A little ambient. Um, and yeah. then finally, is there yeah. anyone who um, is in like the drag or performance artiste world that maybe is lesser known that you want to put a little spotlight on or shout out or anything like that? Gosh, well, I mean, I went to the incredible Adonis drag show over the summer. I don't know if you guys had the pleasure of going, but it was like... Touché. Yes. Um, yes, we yes our, our good baby angel, Georgie B. Uh, oh, right, of course, because Georgie, yeah, where's your beautiful wigs? And it was yeah. obviously in the show. She's meant to share um, a studio with us, but she's been here about twice. Yeah, we do actually <laughs> share a studio with Georgie, but she's oh, really? she's a woman on the go. She's a uh, she's busy and blessed. Like she's yeah. really. Um, in terms of so obviously, like, and you know, I've known Sharon. I met Sharon Graham for the first time when I was in Bristol, and she's like, you know, unbelievably talented and incredible. So gorgeous. Always Sharon. I think Sharon's one of the most exciting, brilliant performers ever. I 100%. would actually love to um spotlight. I do have a daughter called Ratty Vibe. Um, 
A daughter? Um, Spotlight, oh, please. Oh, no, I have a daughter called Ratty Bye Bye. And um, she's like, she's she was actually just in, like the last Burberry show. Um, wow. And nice. away. She's fucking amazing. She puts together the most incredible looks. She's like a fashion. She's like the most beautiful. She's like how I wish I looked. Like she puts me to shame because she's so beautiful. And also I do kind of, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call her mother, um, but she's definitely, I mean, maybe we could say auntie. Um, Craig Template who um, shouts to Craig Template, love Craig Template, go stream her music on Spotify and YouTube. Honestly, when I tell you, this music is... Heaven. It's to die, honestly. She's got a song for every mood. Oh, um, okay. uh, you know, if you're feeling contemplative and kind of like want to like look out your window and think about a boy who fancied once, look up to the sky is the song for you. Like if you feel like getting down and dirty in the disco, Old Bones is the song for you. She's Incredible. She's like the Jean de Buffet outsider artist of queer performers. Straddling all the genres. Are you also a music PR? Because you are selling her down. What what are do in the comments? I do work in music and it is my job to like make yeah. people look and feel fab. So great template, like the girl, like hit her up. She's amazing. Well, I mean, Sharon as well just has like the most incredible taste ever. Like, you know, in Impeccable. like another life, in another life, she was like, I mean, what's the name? Like that fucking, she was like the edit, she was like the editor in chief of like American Vogue. She's like Diana Vreeland. Like Diana, yeah. you know what she's I, like an like, Anna Piaget. Like she's like yeah. one of them, like batty. Also side note, I just thought if you, do you follow, I think it's like Skiora Glam on Instagram. Oh, oh my God. This, it, I don't know how I found about, someone must have sent it to me or whatever. It's like, street style photos of like Italian, older Italian women that are just like the height of glamour that they're just catching in like Milan and stuff. It's like S-C-U-R-I-A, Scuria Glam. And it's just literally, it's like, everything is like a editorial photo shoot where they like emulate like sort of like Helmut Newton. It's like incredible. Get into it with the glamour. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sharon's like, Sharon's top dog when it comes to style. Like, you know, you know she's been mood boarded by fucking everyone. You just know it. So yeah, and also as well, Princess Julia. The, the the style of of PJ now is like just every single time I see her, just like the how she puts outfits together is just fantastic. And then clip on hair pieces, my favorite, my absolute I favorite. I mean, I mean, some people really just like some people have. I mean, are you? I suppose you could call it style, but it's like it's kind of more than that in a way. It's like some people just have uh, like in their DNA, like tattooed, like like yeah. in their bones, just like the most incredible way of expressing themselves. And Princess Julia and um, Sharon are like two peas in a pod in that way. They're just like, like Josh Quinton as well. Like Josh Quinton is just someone who like lives and breathes style, like in every aspect of their being. Do you know what I mean? Just yeah. like incredibly stylish and makes it look effortless. So yeah, love yeah. and respect to all of them for sure. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. What a, what a gorgeous... See, the, uh, we told you, the energy of having a presenter as a guest, really. Uh, we have to keep our pace up. Yeah. <laughs> Very simpatico. Did our job for us, fun. basically. So lovely. I've had such a nice time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank it's you for your honor. time. And can I just say as well, before we go, that um, your work is truly um, phenomenal and brilliant and oh, bringing something goodness. really great to like the London drag scene and like, the queer performance scene in general and it's really refreshing and really Thank inspiring. You. Um, so uh, I just wanted to say 
like love your work and it's like an honor to be asked to do this podcast oh, and that is such so high honorable praise coming from you yeah. we <laughs> should just... we just circle jack last one standing um it's just with, with our drag like it's it's so nice to hear people say that because like we are under no uh illusions that we're like the greatest wig styles or whatever but the hairstyles that we like is just like hair, wigs that look like hair which is yeah. like, again, like not in everyone's like a lot of people like love a good high pony, a pageant, like all of that, which is not something that we're that into. So yeah. like the majority of ours is just that like, we're trying to just make it look like often like fashion references, but just like hair, just like no, sure. the hair of the, the crossies and the hookers. Like, <laughs> well, exactly. And you know, we, as a crossy and aspirational hooker, I yeah. sincerely appreciate your contribution. I just, I mean, I can't wait for this wig that um, you guys have done for oh, me. Oh, she I'm is like, sitting right here. She is nearly, nearly done. No sneak peeks, though. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but I mean, honestly, like, I think let's do, let's do more. Let's do like as many oh, as sure. people can. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's get a wardrobe of wigs together. I'm, and can I just ask, when are you DJing next? Oh, I, yeah. I really need to go and dance to some grime and garage. Yeah, tell the girls where they can find you. Let me have a look at my fucking calendar. Jesus Christ. Um, okay, so if it opens on 17, oh yeah, I've got a gig. I've got a gig. Oh yeah, so back to back. I'm doing um on the 30th of uh on the 30th of this month of July, I'm playing Gala Festival um in nice. South London. And then there's a Fabu that night on the 30th in the evening Where is in it? East London. Folk Fabrics. I don't think it is at Vogue Fabrics. I think it might be at Donya, which is the kind of oh, the yeah. house bar in no. Stoke Newington. Um, so you should definitely go check that out. Fabu is incredible. Or oh, I've got therapy that same week as well. Just oh, lovely. It's such a wholesome week. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> every girl like needs a bit every once in a while. And then from there, it's like every weekend. So I'm like, doing Brainchild Festival. I'm Brainchild. doing like party. One I'm of our friends runs. Do- one of our friends runs Brainchild. Do you know Isabella? Oh, Isabella. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm like, I'm doing Brainchild. I've got Keep Hush Day Festival, which is going to be at the cause. I mean, there's going to, I'm doing a party for like Axel Arigato and the Keith Herring Foundation. Oh, um, it's nice. just like, like very cute little things. And I've just been signed to both Crumb Agency and also IC. Love it. Crumb and who, sorry? Crumb and IC, so actually Cora Delaney's agency. Um, oh, nice. That, that They're sort of like, yeah, that. I mean, no, they're fab. They represent like yeah. Kaya, Jamal, and my friend George, who's also an amazing DJ. So yeah, so like, fucking book the bit. It's happening. Like, we'll be on a dance floor requesting Sambuca sometime soon. Yeah. And can I just ask as well? I actually don't know the answer to this. How old are you? Wow. I'm 26. 27 in September. Wow, 27. Such a big, um, not big, such a wise head on your shoulders. <laughs> not big. <laughs> you, it is Imagine. also. It's like you have a gigantic head. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I, told you, I, I, was, I told you guys when I was messaging about the wig, I was like, can we make sure it gets brushed up? <laughs> but also, like, if you are 6'6", six, six, like, you can't have a pea head. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I've had some wigs made, and I've had some wigs made before, and they were beautiful wigs, but I should have stressed in the email when I was having the commission, like, you know, you might need to put, you know, you might have to accommodate for the fact that I have, like, very wide yeah. But yeah, Samantha no. Jones. <laughs> right, exactly. It's those like Garo <laughs> shoulder pads. Exactly. It has been a dream. So thank you so much. Um, and we'll see you soon. Yes. See you yeah? soon. I can't wait. Amazing. Right. See you thank later. Thank you. Bye. Bye.